0: Welcome to Radar Contact, the audio show that teaches pilots how to speak professionally and with confidence to air traffic control. And now, here's your host, airline pilot, author, and host of ATCCommunication.com, Jeff Canaris. How would you like to go out in your light, single-engine general aviation airplane and mix it up with United States Air Force fighter jets? Is that even possible? Of course it is! And you don't even have to pay any sort of entrance fee or get special permission to do it. Here's the secret. All you have to do is fly through any portion of military operating airspace that is active. And by active, I mean fighter aircraft are maneuvering inside of that airspace. Flying inside of active military operating airspace, or MOA, is possible. It's also crazy! Or as a fighter pilot friend of mine used to say, well, you could do that, but it'd be stupid. Do you really need me to explain why? I didn't think so. And yet, I just had a visitor to ATCCommunication.com tell me he knows of civilian pilots who fly through active MOAs all the time. Apparently, there are some who don't realize how risky this is. Here's the actual question from Drew. Quote, Those of us that pay attention to being good pilots have learned that passing into a MOA without knowing its active status is a candidate for a Darwin Award. Of course, checking NOTAMs is a good first step, but I found that for these MOAs, and he's talking about the Yankee 1 and 2 MOA which overlie the Greenville Mountains in New Hampshire, he says, for these MOAs, the NOTAMs say they are always active during the week, when that is usually not the case. So my thoughts have turned to the proper technique in asking the governing ATC for the active status of these MOAs. What would a typical radio call be to ATC to inquire about the active status of these MOAs? And that's the end of his question. So here's my answer. The first step in asking about the status of a MOA is to determine which ATC agency has responsibility for control of aircraft in and around that MOA. If you're a paper-and-ink kind of pilot, you can check the printed table on any enroute navigation chart, such as a sectional map. Find the airspace you're interested in in that table, and it will identify the controlling agency. For example, the table of special-use airspace on the New York sectional chart shows Boston Center controls the Yankee 1 and Yankee 2 MOAs over the Green Mountains of New Hampshire. The table says the frequency for the sector of Boston Center that controls the airspace in and around those MOAs is 135.7. And if you're a digital pilot, you can find the same information by looking it up in ForeFlight or a similar flight planning and navigation service. Assuming you know who you're talking to and you've got the right frequency, here's what a typical radio exchange with Boston Center might sound like. Boston Center Skyhawk 9130 Delta VFR. Skyhawk 9130 Delta, Boston Center, go ahead. Skyhawk 9130 Delta is 10 miles north of the Lebanon VOR. Are the Yankee MOAs hot? As an alternative, you could ask about the status of the Yankee MOAs. All controllers use the term hot when a MOA is in use by military aircraft. When there are no military aircraft using a MOA, the controller will say the MOA is cold. So, it's perfectly okay to use the words hot or cold when asking about a Moa's status. Skyhawk 30 Delta, the Yankee Moas are currently cold, except they're scheduled to go hot in 10 minutes. I can give you a vector around the border of the Moas if you'd like. Skyhawk 30 Delta will take the vector. Skyhawk 30 Delta, squawk 3740 and say your altitude and destination. Skyhawk 30 Delta squawking 3740. Level seven thousand five hundred, destination is Eastern Slopes Regional, which is India Zulu Gulf. Skyhawk three zero Delta, radar contact nine or miles northeast of Lebanon. Maintain VFR. Be advised, the floor of the Yankee One Moa is nine or thousand. If you stay at seven thousand five hundred, Yankee One should be no factor. Skyhawk three zero Delta, affirmative. Will stay at seven thousand five hundred. Skyhawk 30 Delta, Roger, turn right, heading 150, vectors around the Yankee 2 MOA. Skyhawk 30 Delta, right, heading 150. There you have it. ATC is your one stop shop for determining the status of a MOA. Your friendly local air traffic controller will be more than happy to not only tell you what's going on with a MOA, he will also gladly steer you well clear of a MOA when it's active with military aircraft. In the last couple of weeks, I've had a couple of pilots write to me and take me to task for insisting they include their make, model or type of aircraft when answering ATC with their call sign. For example, if your aircraft's call sign is Skyhawk 9130 Delta, these pilots insisted there was no value gained by including the model name Skyhawk when answering ATC. This is especially true they say when using an abbreviated call sign. In this example they say, responding to ATC with simply 30 Delta was sufficient to get the job done. Here's my response. There are many sections of the aeronautical information manual that need a rewrite, no doubt about it. I've even offered here and in other places to help the FAA with that rewrite. You could argue the section on aircraft call signs should be rewritten since most pilots don't follow the current guidance. It's similar to saying no one follows the 55 mile an hour speed limit on the highway, so the speed limit should be increased to conform with what most people are already doing. Well, I'm a big believer in the value of radio discipline. That means following the FAA's rules, when the rules apply, and following the FAA's guidance, when and where their guidance applies, and the FAA hasn't changed its position on how call signs should be used. If I were to tell you, Do it the FAA's way, except it's okay to deviate here, here, and here. Well, where do I draw the line? You know that old saying about the slippery slope. I've written about the consequences of poor discipline when flying before. And again, where do you draw the line? Who determines when and where it's okay to blow off the FAA's guidance? Listen, you're the pilot in command of your own aircraft. If you've got a better idea how to do something, more power to you. It's your airplane. In the meantime, I'm going to keep teaching radio work the way the FAA says it should be done and the way air traffic controllers do it. Here's your question of the week. When flying VFR and using ATC's radar advisory service, otherwise known as flight following, you are free to change altitudes at will. controller will remind you altitude changes are at your discretion and the controller will also say, please advise me before changing altitudes. And he does that so he can anticipate how your next move is going to affect the changing situation of air traffic around you. Well here's your question. Under what circumstances can a controller restrict your altitude even though you are flying VFR? When you think you know the answer to that question, go to atccommunication.com forward slash answers. There you'll find the answer to this question along with a complete explanation of how that answer was derived. Music for this show was provided by Kevin McLeod at incompetec.com on a Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license. If you're flying this week, I hope you have a great time and beautiful weather. And if you happen to be flying in the vicinity of a MOA, Feel free to check with Air Traffic Control about the status of the MOA. They can not only tell you what's going on inside, they can also give you vectors around an active MOA to keep you safe. I'm Jeff Knerish for ATCCommunication.com saying be well, keep in touch, and fly safe.